1: Okay, we're back. Um, Greg Hemmings, nice to see you. You're looking fine. And you look like you you got some sun. Um, And I'm guessing it wasn't because you were
2: outside in uh, September, October (laughs) time frame in Atlantic Canada. Exactly. You look like you were in Haiti. I was. I I definitely was in Haiti. I just got back uh, two mornings ago, Dave. Um, Haiti was amazing. It was the the, the thing. We were there doing a, a quick film on a reforestation project led by a group of really amazing women oh, cool. this little nursery Haiti has two percent of their uh, forests left yeah. Uh, yeah. so it's really important important work um, going there my most exciting thing is all my stereotypes were blown out of the water because I had this image of destruction and crumble and everything else that the media showed us shortly after the earthquake right um, and your pictures were just beautiful oh yeah I mean, just yeah. the people there are beautiful and the like everybody's got modern cars there's there's you know you wouldn't know that there was such a tragedy uh, in most of the areas that you travel there right mm-hmm. now because it's quite mm-hmm. a few years later. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, so my assumptions were, were blown out of the water. Now, the one thing that is awful is, yes, you see a ton of nice cars, good restaurants, shops, all the stuff, but there's trash everywhere. And I hear and, a Segway coming. And There's definitely a Segway coming. And when the torrential rains come every night, and this is a, um, it's a mountain country, the massive mountains and there's 10 million people that live on the side of this mountain when the rain comes the garbage just comes whoosh, right down so what what makes me have a question is with the billions of aid money that went back in to rebuild haiti and there's nice cars and nice looking buildings and they still haven't figured out their trash problem what went wrong <laughs> you know really money did not go into the right places as far as i can i can see being there Definitely a still massive gap between the the rich and the poor. The what, what's a segue, you ask? Well, we're talking about uh, garbage or refuse of sorts. And today, Dave, we are very excited to segue into our next guest. Who is drumroll? Brian. From one eight hundred Got Junk. How is that for a commercial, Brian? <laughs> That was
1: perfect. <laughs> was it? It was a little... I mean, I don't know what perfect, but
2: we're working on it. We're working on it. We want
1: to... We always want to do a segue. Yes, we we're trying our hardest. But um, No, but it, an, an it was interest- good. I
3: wasn't, sure, I wasn't sure if you were looking for the drum roll from me. I was getting all ready. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, why don't, why don't you do a drum roll and introduce yourself, because you've got a very interesting story we want to dig into. And if you're at all familiar with the podcast... We generally, we don't want to screw up the introduction, so we, we actually encourage our guests to introduce themselves um, because it's a lot more fun that way. So drumroll to you, my friend, Brian. All
3: right,
1: I'll do my best. Nice. Nice.
3: nice. Best one yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a quick one. Yeah, so I'm Brian Scudamore, founder and CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And also O2E Brand, which is our parent company for the four great home service businesses we have where we were, we're making ordinary services exceptional. So uh, Greg and Dave, thanks for having me on the show. And it's pretty cool to hear about your trip to Haiti. Sounds uh, Sounds amazing, but sounds like there's also some pretty uh, interesting challenges they still need to fix there.
2: Challenges that could very well be incredible opportunities, uh, my entrepreneurial friend. Absolutely.
3: Uh, Absolutely. I've, <laughs> I've never made a trip. I've never made a trip to Haiti yet, but I'll certainly have to put it on S- the bucket
2: list. But. Now, you've got an
1: interesting diagram. You, you, and it sounds, I'm guessing, um, on, on the the kind of quick scan of, of information that was sent across to us. Um, but I mean actually I can tell you I'm familiar with your brand the brand the one the 800 guy junk I'm very familiar with it um, so so that's that to me starts becoming interesting and but the backstory is is quite interesting and I understand I mean this is something and, and I'm you know that you started when you're 18 and you're probably a little older than that now. Um, why don't you take us through, you know, kind of how, well, I guess what, what, you know, what, um, or, or how would you like to describe kind of where your business is now and how it started? Like, why don't, you, why don't you take us through that journey?
3: Yeah, where we are currently, maybe I'll paint a quick picture there and I'll, yeah. I'll take you back how it all started. But today we're $250 million in revenue, uh, getting close to the $300 million mark. and you know, We've got 2,000 trucks across Canada and the United States with one 800 junk and then we've got our other brands all under the O2E brand banner that stands for Ordinary to Exceptional. So our newest brand, Shack Shine, we are challenging now not just junk removal, but the home detailing business. Very fragmented mom-and-pop industry where we're creating franchise ownership uh, or partnerships for people to get into where they can wash windows, clean gutters, power wash, all that sort of stuff. We're creating the brand in that very fragmented space. So I think our, our business is all about brands. It's all about exceptional customer experience. And where it started was, yeah, I'm not 18 anymore. I'm 46. Still feel young at heart, but uh, 27 years of building these brands, it all started when I was in a McDonald's drive-through trying to figure out a way to pay for college. I was one course short of graduating from high school. My parents were uh, not impressed, to say the least. And I talked my way into university, and then I said, okay, I've got to find a way to pay for university. And there I was, McDonald's drive through beat-up old truck in front of me, filled with junk. I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a truck of my own, $700, a real rusty old beat-up pickup. And then I started hauling junk and a self-financed business that's grown into uh, well over a quarter of a billion dollars.
1: How did you know, like, well, I mean, and that, by the way, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal when you, you know, you describing kind of the revenue. It's incredible that it would have, you know, kind of started in a, in a McDonald's, you know, drive through. Um, so, what, so, so you get it, you, you buy an old beat up pickup truck, you start hauling, you know, to, to pay for tuition for college. How did you know this is something that could scale the way it has? Or what, what told you that, or, or what was the first hint of that?
3: Yeah, every trip I would take, I'd go on a road trip down to Seattle with friends, or my family was from San Francisco, I'd do trips down there. And I always kept seeing beat up old pickup trucks filled with junk in every city I went to. And I said to myself, this isn't just a Vancouver problem where people need someone to haul away their old furniture recycle the recyclables, donate the donatables, all this stuff that when you, you renovate a home or spring clean. And I said, this is a problem that exists everywhere. And every local newspaper I would look into, or you know, today Craigslist, there were all these guys hauling junk away. And it was Bob's junk, Frank's junk. There was no real brand in the space. So I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create the FedEx of junk removal, have clean, shiny trucks, friendly, uniformed drivers, and really clean up a dirty industry. And, and, and when and, I saw three three years into my university education, I felt I was learning so much more about business, running a business, more than I was studying in textbooks when I dropped out.
2: <laughs> oh, I love that story, man. There's two really cool things that popped out here for me. Uh, one, the brilliance of naming your business the phone number, like, okay, let's just start there for a second. Where did that idea come from? Because it's such an obviously huge, awesome winner of an idea. Um, but yeah, where did that where did that idea come first? And then I've got a follow-up.
3: So my first truck, I went and got a phone number and I thought, okay, I might as well at least get something that's memorable. And I came up with the phone number 738JUNK emblazoned on the side of the trucks, people would see the truck, and they'd pick up the phone and call. And then I realized as we expanded into the United States and, and even other cities in Canada, the opportunity was to have one phone number. It made sense to have a toll-free number that could be the same number across North America and even in Australia where we operate today. So we came up with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. But the, the cool part of the story that I, I love is the phone number wasn't available, and I was just determined to get this phone number. I found the the guy that had one got junk, was willing to sell it, but he wanted $100,000. That wasn't going to happen. So I made phone call after phone call. I finally tracked down the owners, and it was the Department of Transportation in Idaho. So oh. the government from the number. And uh, the guy in the phone room, I talked to him, and Michael uh, was his name. He said, you know, this phone number sounds like it's way more important to you than it is to us. You can have it.
1: Come and
3: on. he uh, faxed over the forms, gave me the number. Two days later, when I called to thank him, he was no longer there in the company. So I have no idea what transpired there. But we got the number, got it for free, and it's been such a key. Wow, item. you, you got to find
2: this guy. This is amazing. There's a there's a documentary here, Greg. Do you know what? Yes, let's parking lot <laughs> that, Brian. The, if you and I ever yeah. do work together, let's make it yeah. sure it's the documentary film of you trying to find. Rob or whatever. Michael. Michael, Michael, Michael. Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't know. I don't know the last name. Never met the guy. But uh, there's a lot of Michael's in the world. Is that
2: ever cool? Um, my my quick follow up to that one was um, years ago. I was in Vancouver, and I, I remember hearing you on our interview, if I recall, um, talking about this simple concept of putting uniforms on on your workers and having nice logoed cars. Um, again, a very obvious play, but certainly. Nobody in your industry was doing that at the time. Obvious, obvious now, maybe. You would not yeah. at the time, clearly.
3: Yeah, I think service is so incredibly important, and you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Why not show up in a collared, clean blue shirt? We have truck team members that are out there with 1 800 got junk, where clearly they're going to get dirty from job to job. It's not uncommon that our truck team members will carry a couple of extra shirts with them just so that they can change to maintain that, that not just friendly uniform driver look, but clean, friendly uniform driver look. And it, it, it matters. One of my favorite brands in the world is Starbucks. I love coffee, maybe a little too much. And when I go into a coffee shop and it's a Starbucks, it's so consistent, the service, the uniforms, the friendliness, the atmosphere, and that's what we aspired to do. And and I think we've, we've done. Do you, um,
1: there's a couple things that I mean, my brain's going, well, actually maybe, maybe the first question would be, um, how, can you just, I just love to hear the business model. Like, so is this, you know, so is this a franchise? Is this, you know, is this something that's corporately run? How, do, how, you know, what, what is the model?
3: Yeah, it's a franchise. So all of our O2E brands are franchises. So Shack Shine, Wow, 1-Day Painting, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, you name it. What we do is we provide a business model, a platform where some young, hungry, entrepreneurially-minded person might feel stuck, not having an idea, doesn't know where to start with a business, can become a franchise partner with us, and we build something much bigger together. So the model is we license them, the know-how, the the training, the systems, the support, the 24-7 call center, and we get out there and we give someone a business where they can make money from day one, they don't have to come up with the idea. We've done that. We've built the brand. And then if I look at any one of our businesses, it's home service because if you find the right people, you teach them how to find the right people in their in their vehicles and their employees, it just scales. It's finding happy, smiley people who can do what they say they will do and deliver on their service promises.
2: I've, I've got a really important question. Believe like. Believe it or not, I actually uh, was a franchise owner of another uh, company quite some time ago. And I say believe it or not because anybody listening to me would be like, "What, really?" <laughs> and it, it's it's a it's a discussion for another podcast. Um, I was sure. so impressed with how corporate uh, really controlled the brand. And every time we get together on an annual basis, it was very, it was inspiring, really, to see you know how they've been able to. Maintain the values and the vision of of the founders and of, of corporate without any uh, deviation. Uh, love to hear how you've been able to keep uh, the one eight hundred got junk brand consistent, values intact. Um, and has has there been any bumps in the way? You know, as you as you built out a franchise model.
3: Yeah, a million bumps. And, and you learn from those bumps. We have a culture, we call it WTF culture, which stands for willing to fail. We're willing to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. So bumps are inevitable. But how do, how have we preserved the core brand? I, I think what we've done is a lot of storytelling. And we've really taught and discussed with our, our people that this is our brand. This is up to all of us to preserve the brand, keep the values. So our values it stands for type passion, integrity, professionalism, and empathy, and we hire people based on those values. we fire people who don't have the values or who compromise their values, so it's preserving two things: one, the people and second of all the brand and making sure that the look and the feel is always always consistent
1: what is what do you um what does it take at the end of the day to have like a, a WTF philosophy, you know, like and, and outside of just you, but just a, a company built around that?
3: It's letting people know that we mean it, that you really can fail and you're not going to lose your job. It's, it's learning from mistakes. It's taking some risks. We are an entrepreneurial uh, culture. And that means sometimes taking some risks. Now, we like people to plan. We like people to brainstorm and think through what they're about to do. But don't be afraid to, to get it wrong, to screw it up. We had one of our franchise partners in 1-800-GOT-JUNK who took a risk. He said, I am going to be open till midnight. I am going to put on our radio ads across the city of Baltimore that we are open till midnight. And people thought it was crazy. In fact, you know, he was questioning whether or not it really made sense. It became something that we adopted in our radio across North America. We have an $8 million radio budget. Every single one of those ads would advertise that open till midnight philosophy. We're not really coming to pick up junk very often at midnight, but it gives that impression that we're professional, we're open, we're there to serve you anytime that works for you. And so you take some risks, you make some mistakes, and... Uh, along the way, some things work out, and you replicate
1: those and is it you know like um and by the way, I mean you're speaking to two entrepreneurs so we can appreciate you know the willingness to fail and and it's that's it's hard it's tricky, and I'm just um loving that you know uh, and you know I guess maybe it's 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 trying to find examples of where people do fail and they re- you know they they recognize that it's okay and it's 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 how we learn versus being um um i am not going to say punished but you know what i mean but, but 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 really you know like there's an easy way to to actually beat that out of people as well
3: yeah we'll have someone that's working on a project and they'll set a deadline and in the end it seems like it was completely unrealistic you sit down and you don't grill someone and say you know you you idiot for coming up with a deadline that was way too aggressive you ask them what did you learn right. what what would you do differently next time and that's such a key question anytime a mistake is made okay what did we learn so and oh sorry go ahead yeah no i was just going to say the, the learning is part of growth you're, my biggest failures had to happen when i fired in 1994 my entire company of 11 people 5 years into the business that was a massive failure on my part. A massive leadership lesson for me, learning that I had the wrong people, and I had to get them out and start again. But thank goodness, I learned that lesson only five years in, and not twenty-seven years in.
2: Well, that's a that that that's huge. I almost want. I know, Dave, you got another another uh, question, but I, I'd i love to hear more about the hat too. Well, and, and what
1: I was going to say, I was just going to comment on. Um, so you know, so so Brian, we have a coaching company and. And to me, you're you're describing a culture that's very conducive to what we would call, you know, uh, you know, in our world, you know, call coaching, right? And, um, and and you know, and it's really supporting uh, learning. But just the questions that you just posed after someone doesn't hit a deadline, as an example, or whatever it may be, or the questions we pose to ourselves when we fail to to deliver, or fall through, or whatever may happen, is um, is is um, actually unfortunately kind of novel. And when I say unfortunately, because I think a lot of times people are are, are more prone or, or, you know, maybe the easier thing to do is sometimes is to beat up on someone or, or to feel like you can really nail them down on this or, or to ourselves. So where where did that come from in you or how did you come up? Is this just was this just something ingrained in you or is this something you learned along the way in terms of you know kind of asking those good questions about when we don't hit something? Um, you know, how do we pose questions where we learn from it and make sure it doesn't happen again?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I think back to just my own personality is I've realized as a leader that you can you can lead people and have people follow you if you've got empathy and understanding for their mistakes. And rather than see them as screw-ups, if you can help coach them, as you said, and help work with them and say, what did you learn? That's just such a constructive way to move forward, to make progress. And I've realized through my own life the number of mistakes I've made that I wouldn't change any one of them. People often say, if you could rewind the clock, rewind uh, your life, what's one thing you would do differently? Nothing. I, I literally wouldn't change a thing because they were all lessons I needed to learn to get us to where we are today. So I think it's giving people confidence that I talked to a guy uh, yesterday on the phone. He was a, a fellow entrepreneur in Vancouver who reached out to me who's in a dark, dark place with his business and he's struggling. And I said, remember that what you're going through right now if you can keep the right mindset as tough as it is and you're not getting sleep, there will be a point where you look back on this. And if you take the learning and apply it, that you'll go, thank goodness this happened. Thank goodness that you had that failure and that learning to get you to a much better place. It's uh, it's tough to see at the time, but sometimes we need those little reminders as our Northern, uh, you know, our guiding Northern star.
1: To what degree? uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, and you know, and, and and you know, he will thank you in spades, I'm sure, um, in the near future, um, or maybe he already has. Because I know when someone's come along in my life at times when things okay. seem pretty dark. I mean, it's sure nice to hear you know that kind of uh, reminder. Um, right. Um, you, you mentioned, and I, I, I read it in your bio here that you um, that part of your success comes from the fact that that you have ADHD and um and you know what we're and i actually have a close uh a, a business partner that that has adhd and he would describe it the same way and we have a number of interview cl- cl- people we've interviewed on this podcast that would describe um what some would some would would deem as you know kind of insurmountable as actually really uh, core to who they are and how they've succeeded um love to hear a little bit about that you know in terms of how that that you know that relates to your success
3: Yeah, school didn't work for me. I went to 14 schools from kindergarten through to college. I only graduated from uh, kindergarten. I never did high school and college. You know, I dropped out of both. So, uh, you know, looking back, I I, I think, what did I learn from the fact that I couldn't sit still in class and I couldn't focus and that the school system just didn't work for me? Well, I started to realize I love to learn. I uh, I love asking questions. I love meeting new people. I love searching the internet and getting ideas. My learning format just didn't wasn't the same as most people, where they could sit still and sit in school. I needed to work on my own schedule, on my own clock. And so, what I learned is get rid of distractions. Anything that got in my way, just just eliminate it. Just push it to the side and get hyper hyper focused. So, I think people with ADD. Have an innate ability to be able to laser focus, but sometimes it takes a little extra work to get to that point and uh, eliminating distractions. So when I come up with my to-do list of things I've got to do on a given day, it's never five things. It's never 15 things. It's three at most. I say, what are the most important things? The three most important things. Sometimes it's just one thing to keep me extra focused. And that keeps me even more productive.
2: It, it's, it's really cool, Brian, because uh, our last guest, uh, right before we uh, – so last week's guest, uh, one of them was uh, a fellow named Sean Smith. And his company is called dontdismyability.com. And uh, he speaks exactly the same truth as you do uh, in the fact that, you know what, the school system did not work for him. And he didn't realize that until he was an adult. He, didn't, he thought there was something wrong with him. Because everybody told him there was something wrong with him his whole life, and then right. once he realized that it's <laughs> the system wasn't working for his, what his needs were, everything started to switch around. And now he's consulting and coaching and really helping people, uh, you know, uh, with labels, you know, uh, succeed. Uh, so it's really kind of cool that that's a theme on our podcast too. That we've been hearing uh, a lot from entrepreneurs, which is which is really. I cool. was
3: told. I was told so much by so, so more often by so many teachers, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You're the class clown. You're a goofball. School isn't going to work for you. And, and it does wear on you. But then when you can realize how to shift your perspective and go, okay, hold on, ADHD, I understand what it is now. Uh, it's a gift. It is a gift for me. I would not medicate it for the world. It's something that allows me to think differently, see the world differently, and I believe that it's made a huge difference in my life so everybody's got problems how do you see them as gifts and how do you use them to your your advantage
1: is there is there something um Man, this is so, this is, there's so much here, right? Like, I just, you, and, and our, we, we try to keep our, our podcast to, to 20, 25 minutes. And, and you just, there's just so much here. And I, I don't, and we, we've said, mentioned this to a few guests, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that you'd, you'd agree to possibly doing a version, you know, two at some point yeah, when you're scheduling. Absolutely. Yeah, just, cause it's just, this is just great stuff. And I guess the, the and, and we're, we're kind of in part of our conclusion. But what, cause I'm thinking, you know, so many people, um, the, the, ch- the challenges they have, whatever, you know, maybe it's a label or whatever, or, or a challenge learning or whatever it may be, or economic circumstances, whatever, um, you know, it's, it's really, I think it takes exceptional people to, to be able to see it as a gift. And I'm just wondering, like, what, you know, helped you? see it as a gift and maybe um, quiet the voices out there that, that you know, we're, we're sharing, you know, telling you that you'll never mount anything. Like, cause that, cause that's a pretty, you know, it, you know, it's, that's a pretty hard thing to do.
3: Yeah. I think inspiration from others. My children just did the Terry Fox run at school this week. So, you know, that's someone top of mind is Terry Fox. Yeah. I remember growing up as a kid and yeah. I mean what an inspirational guy who took his challenges in life and just said, hey, I'm going to make the best of this. I am going to make a difference in this world because of the cards I've been dealt or Rick Hansen, you know, Mm -hmm. the amount of research and money that guy has raised Mm -hmm. and I've been fortunate enough to meet him. I mean, what an inspirational person. Mm -hmm. Someone could look at, at Terry Fox or Rick Hansen and say, wow, that's so sad. Well, no, they are taking what cards have been dealt and they've turned it into a gift and made it a part of their cause and their mission in life. And uh, you know, it's just finding you know with the whole when you're given lemons, make lemonade. I mean, life is lemonade. Everybody's got struggles, and we often don't talk about them all. But it's uh, it's how do you share with others the tough times you've had and how you've changed your perspective to inspire others.
1: Well, thank you for being an inspiration to us and to many. I'm, I'm, you know, that'll be listening to this, and obviously, and it was just, and it was in fact um, your. I think it was your someone who does PR for you that reached out to us, and I'm just so happy that she did. Um, to, oh, fantastic to, to, to connect and um, because this is exactly the stories that we love sharing with our audience and, and, and actually we both love hearing as well because it you know kind of shines a little light at us and it, you know, it kind of it's always learning for us as well. Um, is there in terms of people learning more about you, your story, your organization you know how, what's the best way to do that?
3: Best place to go Our our central hub of information about any of our brands is O2e brands. That's letter O, number two, letter E, brands.com. And our thought leadership, some articles we contribute to in Forbes at Wall Street Journal, everything's there. And happy to share and help people uh, in, in any way. It's pretty easy to connect with us, LinkedIn, it's all on the site.
2: That's awesome. And, and Brian, um, a humble request from us would be if you know anybody who would want to share their story on The Boiling Point, please do encourage them to, to get in touch because uh, we've, our, our little initiative is, has really spun into something really interesting. Dave and I decided to do this a couple of years ago on a weekly basis just so we can learn more ourselves uh, by talking to people like you. So our selfish agenda is we're learning a ton every week and we love meeting new people from around the world. So if you know of anybody uh, that uh, would like to share their story, please let them know about The Boiling Point.
3: I, I will do that and, and don't hesitate to email me if you've got uh, someone that you know in Vancouver that you think would make a great story. Uh, it is a small city. I'm happy to try and connect you as well. So Wonderful. I'll throw back to you guys as well. Yeah.
2: Well, listen, thanks so much awesome. for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to seeing the franchise open in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince. I think there's a great opportunity. <laughs>
3: There you go. Thanks, well Brian. you guys uh you guys made the show fun and easy. So thank you very much and uh, have a great day.
1: All right. All right, likewise. Thanks. Take care, Brian. Bye bye. What a what a humble guy, eh? I mean, incredible. Yeah. Oh, and, I mean, and, cool. when, and I mean and when and I you know I had a sense of the success of his business, but um but I don't do you just love it when someone jumps on, it's just so so real. And, uh, you know, and he kind of, you know, in, in part of
2: asking him to describe his business talks about it being a quarter of a billion dollars in annual, <laughs> annual <laughs> revenue. <laughs> like, I, I love that word. It's like you could say 300 million or something, but when you say a quarter of a billion, you go... Bam! Uh, yeah. Um. But but I mean, but but was more exciting
1: about it for me personally. About mm. it, I mean, the, you know, obviously success is fabulous, but it, it is um, his just his authenticity and uh, willing to share his story, and just kind of getting back to the grassroots where it started, how it started. I mean, that that is really no, powerful, and yeah. and just being uh, this whole this whole idea of. Um, embracing, you know, like Sean has shared uh, in in previous podcasts, around embracing that the, this, you know, what's thrown at you in life, uh, whether that's um, innate to who you are or it's the circumstances you're born into or 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 come across, um, but be able to 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 leverage that and actually, I mean, that's that's you know that's hard to to argue with.
2: 100. percent And the I, I think the real tactical business takeaway is just the, the obvious. Uh, parts about customer service and happening to have nice, cleanly dressed—you know—people picking up your garbage and your junk, and having nice-looking trucks, and having a name that everybody will remember the phone number of. Like, it, it sounds really innovative, but it's really obvious stuff. And so many people have mimicked what he has done. You know, and uh, I think that's that's something we can all all think about uh, within our businesses. Hundred yeah. percent. and having a philosophy of. WTF that's right which actually stands for willingness to fail willingness, willingness to fail no, nothing else <laughs> nothing scandalous exactly because we don't want an explicit warning be, on this yeah because Gene Fowler destroyed that uh, yes, on our last yes. episode and yeah. we had to put the E actually it wasn't the last one it was the one before oh it was two two before yeah, yeah. 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 that's great well thanks uh, Dave good uh, seeing you man
1: Yeah. Well, um, let me know so you're going to now own be the proud owner of a franchise in Haiti I can't wait to hear more about it's it it's going to be great over <laughs> and out see ya
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out LeadershipUnleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep that pot boiling.